It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right, inside the Gamecocks, the show. J.C. Sherbert here with you, along with Phil Mullinax. Happy Thursday, everyone. Morning. Got high energy segment with Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show coming up here in about 30 minutes, of course. It's Thursday. That means at 1.15, I will join him on the Spurs Up show. Lots of uh, comments on my segment from last week with that crowd uh, before <laughs> the game. <laughs> with his audience, he they, I think they all thought I was crazy. But uh, well, a lot uh, of them thought you were driving. <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> it wasn't. Nat was driving. I, I was like, that would have been hilarious. And, and uh, that's commitment right there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing all that good stuff. So, um, you know, uh, that's the deal there. Um, <clears throat> Want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in today. Today's poll question: Will Spencer Rattler go over or under three thousand yards passing this year? Now, you know, talk about things that sound crazy. That that kind of sounds a little bit weird, uh, considering his pace right now. There's six games to go. And uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like it. I was t- Phil, I was talking about this today on 107.5, the game. Uh, I do the morning hour with Gunner, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And um, I was talking with Bill, and, and I, 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 you know, he was kind of talking about, well, Rattler should come back and, He's probably not ready for the NFL and all this other stuff, um, which is a tricky subject that I think we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he's close. I, I, you know, I don't know what they did differently in the second half uh, last week. Uh, I, I think there's some opportunities he's missed. Um, you know, I think there's some, you know, obviously some offensive things that uh, we've gotten into <laughs> deeply. Um but, you know, I, I think sometimes teams kind of, you know, find themselves second half of the year, so do quarterbacks, and then I could see him blow it up. So I don't think it's unrealistic for him to get to that uh, level, especially, you know, if Carolina makes it to a bowl, which I, I think that's looking promising at this moment. But, um, you know, well, that that's the bowl question. Yeah, when you consider, I think, uh, who's left on the schedule, uh, it, uh, something tells me you're going to have to throw the ball a bit more against those teams. Yeah, like, I think so too. Might get a little more yards out of it. Yeah, people are people are like, well, Bama played A and A and M played Bama to the wire, and they did. They could have won the game. A and M attacked Bama kind of through the air, didn't run it very far. Bama stayed on the ground for the most part. Uh, I think the Gamecocks are going to need balance, passing and running, uh, against the Aggies next Saturday night. I, I don't think you could be one dimensional and expect to win that game. Keep in mind, Texas A&M is very talented, although they haven't played up to the potential yet this year. Uh, but offensively, you know, that, that Texas A&M defense has been pretty dang good this season for the most part. I think Mississippi State sort of rolled it up on them. Uh, but everybody else, uh, it's been sort of these games. Of, you know, they, they've actually, Phil, if you, if you look at it and you take the, I guess, the helmet uh, and the uniform off and you compare them to Missouri, they're, they're, they're actually pretty similar teams. The next two weeks, a lot of low, lower scoring type games. Uh, they've had one that's gotten away from them. Uh, defensive teams, uh, close losses, uh, close wins, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, the two, it's kind of funny that 
I call them the X Big 12 teams. They've been in the league now 10 years or 12 years, I think. Uh, no, 10, 10 years. Both of them have been in the league t- 10 years. It's the ninth time uh, Carolina's played Texas A&M. So at 11, this is their 11th season in the SEC. They're more like SEC teams now. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not there beating teams 48-44 or something like that. But I think you do against good defenses have to have that balance. I think Carolina had it against Kentucky. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't go, uh, you know, and score like they did without the passing game. Uh, and so I, I think it's going to be important down the stretch to do that because they're going to be – and, and more people learn about Marshawn Lloyd, I think there are going to be some teams that kind of scheme to stop that first and foremost. Uh, you kind of look down the list. Hey, if you're a D coordinator, what do we have to stop first? And if you look at South Carolina right now, it's it's Marshawn Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you're that's – uh, You're going to have to scheme up to stop that, uh, which is good because, I mean, maybe that will get some guys open down the field and there again might be better for Spencer in the long run. Yeah, definitely. So that's the poll question right now. Uh, on the big spur, it's 50 50 uh, over or under. So there's some people with some faith. Um, if you look at the uh, Twitter, though, it's not, um, uh, there's not a lot of believers right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think it's like 70 30 under. Um, and some people on the iHealth Consulting mailbag, Kyle uh, checks in with, um, uh, this and I'll just go ahead and read it. Kyle says, "I think they will stick with this scheme, making it hard to pass that number. We just don't have time to throw long down the field passes. And what we were doing requires the wideouts to break a ton of tackles or block like crazy. He will struggle for yards, but manage the game well. If I had to bet, he'd be back next season, and we will see improvement with his time in the system and stability at that and other positions." Uh, Kyle, I agree with your first part. Um, kind of just. Gut feeling, right? Um, the second, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think the question of will, will Spencer Rattler return to South Carolina next year uh, is to be determined, and it, it is it's really a tricky subject, I think, uh, because you have a good backup sitting there who was a starter. You've got depth behind him. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, he never said this, but, you know, the, the, the idea was come to South Carolina for a year, uh, play well, and go to the, the league because uh, had things worked out at Oklahoma last year, he's probably going to the league. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to delay that again? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's a good – that's a question that, that I, don't, I don't even really want to get into right now <laughs> uh, because that impacts recruiting and everything else, and it, it's just one of those things six games in – uh, it's to be determined, and I feel like Spencer's probably going to have a, a good finish to the year. You know, we were talking to Keith um, on Monday, and you know, Keith pretty tells it like it is, tells it like he sees it. Uh, you know, he said, I think this guy's about to, you know, close to blowing up if he gets off to good starts in games, and uh, I think that's that's probably true. You know, he's like, he could go off for 350 at any time. Carolina has the weapons. Uh, they have the guys to uh, – to do that in the passing games, just a matter of getting them the ball and letting them go make plays and, and things of that nature. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But that's today's poll question. Nana Sports chat box never disappoints. Never. Nope. No, we're already uh, off and running this morning. Off yeah. and running and ready to roll. Hutch says, finally get to watch live. I don't have to play catch up at one and a half speed. 
Uh, JC, do you think we're going to try to get back in the game with Zechariah Owens after his decommit from Clemson? I, I think if he called and, you know, kind of said, hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like to, to visit. Um, I don't think they turned him down for a visit. Uh, I just don't know where the Gamecocks are out on his radar because, you know, Carolina led uh, and had a pretty good uh, – you know, out in front pretty early on that guy. Uh, and then he started visiting a lot of different places, and it was just like uh, every place he went, uh, it was like that. I, I think NIL could be a factor with him. Uh, of course, Carolina today, uh, the internal NIL uh, numbers came out, 117 deals so far for Park Avenue, the new NIL situation uh, internally at South Carolina. want to remind everybody about that because we'll talk about Carolina Rise for a second. Uh, That's different from the collectives. Um, And, look, I don't – you know, Tommy Tuberville and Joe Manchin are sitting there, you know, in Congress now. And I don't don't think – I don't know if those two can get anything passed or not, to be honest. Good Lord. But, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, collectives, and and, and a lot of things are on the table with those – uh, but I want to remind everybody, this Park Avenue thing is for players that are already there and established and on the team and things like that. You know, what Carolina Rise does primarily uh, is initial deals, uh, i.e. guys that are just coming in. Uh, you know, we don't entice anybody with anything, obviously, or get involved with the recruiting process. Uh, but there is something to be said for those initial deals, just like with Gigi Jackson. Um, so, if you think the, the you know that Park Avenue is just like take it over and everything's fine and there's no need to join Carolina Rise, that that's not the case. Uh, so please, uh, you know, ten dollars, eighteen dollars a month. Uh, check it out, CarolinaRise.com. We also have an auction for those uh, Lodge Suite tickets for Texas A&M. I tweeted about it today. Really good seats. Bidding is already up for four of them for a thousand bucks. All that money gets back. Uh, funneled back into NIL deals. Uh, and once again, I don't make a penny off of Carolina Rise. <laughs> Neither does my brother, who's my partner. Um, you know, we just use it to, to fund things for student athletes. So I uh, just wanted to make sure of that. But congratulations to Hillary and Chance and all those guys in the athletic department for the success of Park Avenue so far. Uh, I think as time goes on and the NIL space continues to evolve, you know, there might not be any collectives, and that's fine with me. I'll, I'll shut it down and uh, spend whatever money you guys have given on on deals before it wraps up and zero it out and, and be fine. Um, but, uh, you know, for now, uh, I, I think they're necessary considering what's going on at other schools. But in time, this Park Avenue deal at Carolina, uh, if they regulate it, you know, the more they regulate it, the more it's a game changer for South Carolina. Uh, because the Gamecocks, you know, in, in both collectives, I don't think there's multi-million dollars <laughs> being funneled into them like there is at oh Tennessee. So, right, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tennessee is sort of, uh, you know, they have, what, 20 million in theirs? Nah, not even close here. Um, so I, I think the more they regulate the collectives, the better it is for South Carolina. That's fine with me. But right now we're just not living in that space. Um, so Zechariah Owens, uh, to answer your question, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, cause it's not like he picked Carolina over Clemson or Clemson over Carolina 
and Carolina was number two when he picked, and it was this big decision. Carolina was kind of way down the list before that. Plus, you know, the Gamecocks have a lot of good offensive linemen committed. Uh, I don't know that they would turn him down because this guy's a war daddy, 6'7", 350. Yeah. Um, he's like those cats you see at Georgia and, uh, shoot, uh, Alabama and, and all over the place. So he's a, he's a big-time guy. Um, you know, I just don't know what the deal would be there. Doc says, good morning from beautiful Western North Carolina. Good morning, Doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craiger, great interview up with Emily Beamer on YouTube. Yeah, my, my friend Margo actually sent that to me and Nat last night. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to watch it. Uh, but, you know, Emily, obviously, uh, Shane's wife is uh, obviously happy to be back in South Carolina, uh, <laughs> their whole family and all that. Uh, when they left, they, they really missed Columbia. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that that's a good thing there. Um, Doc says, check out, check that out. Those spouse interviews can be very telling. Hmm. Well, considering Terry Saban had a lot to do with Nick Saban going back to college and going to Alabama, I'd say you're right right there. Yeah, Miss Terry. Miss <laughs> Terry, great, great article in The Athletic about just kind of rehashing the whole recruitment of Nick Saban. And uh, there's some Steve Spurrier mentions, Mal Moore from Alabama. actually made two runs at Spurrier, Spurrier State of South Carolina. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's the deal there. Corey says, any smoke with the Chris Peel rumors? Everything's been pointing to UGA. But people have been talking about there being some smoke. Just wanted to ask someone who would know more than me. I've never felt as good about that as like hail. Um, I think NC State is also a factor, uh, along with Georgia. Georgia's got a lot of corners committed. Um, I have to ask Hale about. We asked Hale about that the last time he was on. Um, I, I think the key is that Chris needs to visit. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you're going to land the kid if he doesn't. You know, says he's going to visit, then doesn't. So. That's going to be tough. There. A lot easier um, to win them, though, when they do come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Grady says, good morning, y'all. JC, can you break down men's basketball and what you think about some of the players and coach? Thanks. I don't know that expectations are going to be super high for men's basketball this year. I think they've got a manageable schedule. I think they have a chance to pick up some, some quality early wins at, at the Charleston Classic and against Clemson. Um, Clemson's early this year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't stand college basketball being played in early November. Uh, they changed that a few years ago, by the way. I I sort of like basketball to start around Thanksgiving, maybe the week before. But that's okay. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, I, I think that it's manageable. I think, uh, obviously, Gigi Jackson joining the team is huge. That's a difference maker. Hayden Brown, the transfer for the Citadel, is a player to watch. Also, Michi, Michi Johnson the uh, transfer point guard from Ohio State. Uh, I think a guy like Chico Carter, too, will have a better year this year uh, as long as he can play defense. Good shooter. If you remember Chico last year when he got in the game, he scored. Um, You know, I I think Lamont Paris, you know, his style is a little different than Frank Martin uh, in terms of he still emphasizes defense and it's a very structured defense. But uh, the difference offensively between him and Frank, Frank – like to like set plays, you know, he, almost like a football coach. You know, he call out plays, and a lot of basketball coaches are like that. Others kind of have a more freelancing style, like motion off. Like Bobby Knight, for example, you, you, you wouldn't believe this, 
if I told you, but it's true. Bobby Knight basically kind of created the motion offense in basketball. In uh, motion offensive basketball is based on concepts, not, you know, plays. Uh, you know, like 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 you would call it if you're a football coach. You see basketball coaches, you know, go one or two or three, uh, and tell people who to, uh, you know, what to do, and it's very structured and all that. Well, Bobby Knight, his offense was kind of based on flow and and con- conceptual things, and uh, a lot more freedom with that. I don't know that Lamont Paris is uh, running a motion offense. I just know what he said, which is that, you know, there's a lot more freedom uh, on offense uh, in his system than, than maybe there was under Frank Morton. Uh, so that's that. Um, you know, I, I think as far as the season goes, guys like Josh Gray, Daniel Hankins, Sanford, um, you know, uh, any of the guys from last year coming back and then the freshmen – they, they, they probably all need to have pretty good years and, and surprising years, uh, I think, for the Gamecocks to make a run possibly towards the NCAA tournament. So that's the long and short of it there, Rodney. I hope you enjoy, hope you enjoyed today's basketball breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Jared says his birthday's today. Happy birthday, Jared. Happy birthday, man. Happy birthday. Yeah, so, so – Heavy you dose know. of some Todd Ellis today. Okay. <laughs> Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown. Happy birthday to you. What if it was commercials like, you know, like from the 80s? Like, you deserve a break today. <laughs> or where's the touchdown Carolina? Touchdown Tonka Hemingway. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Double your pleasure or double your fun. <laughs> uh, Craiger says, I think it's going to be hard to run on A&M. He could have a big passing day against the Aggies. You, you think that? Uh, and and I, I think Texas A&M, DJ Durkin's an excellent D coordinator. and I think they'll scheme to try to stop the run. Um, Alabama ran flat out all over them. But they've been pretty good against the run this year. So uh, there you go. Doc says if he goes over 3,000 yards the way we play him, I'd be surprised. I, I agree with right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just never know game to game. Who knows? Who knows? If he has 3,000 yards with the way they're doing it, uh, it'll all be yak. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Doc said his approach would be make Spencer beat me by taking Marshawn Lloyd away. Yeah. That's, you know, if I had more faith in the play calling of the system, I'd say, yeah, do that at your own peril. <laughs> I mean, if you had somebody back there dialing them up that could recognize that and just chuck it, chuck it down the field on you and make you pay, because teams have done that to Carolina, uh, take a sold out to stop the run a lot the last two years, and it's not always pretty. Uh, J Rock says, "What's up, y'all? Want to get my bold take early? We're beating A and M next week. Could happen. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. I, I'm not conceding the game." Nope. Uh, Brian says, "Morning." Morning, Brian. How are you? Um, yeah, AM has dudes. It's just a mess is what I keep hearing in the locker room. Well, look, man, you know, you have a $20 million payroll for freshmen. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm not surprised. Them, but, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to the point about the game, you know, look, I – I think it'd be dumb of me to sit here and say Carolina's going to, you know, blow the wheels off of A&M next Saturday night. But you could see a situation sort of like Florida last year where the wheels completely come off. Uh, Keith, again, on Monday said A&M's had – will have two weeks to sit there and stew 
yeah. uh, about being on the one yard line <laughs> and, and, and being able to beat Bama, which is huge for that program. I mean, they don't like how there's a lot of history there, man. Like Bear going all the way back to Bear Bryant leaving AM for Bama. You know, Dennis Francione left Bama for AM. Um, you know, you have Gene Stallings, who's an AM grad, what led Bama to a national championship. I mean, there's a lot of connections between Texas AM and Bama. Uh, even when they first came in the league and Johnny Football pulled a Titanic upset at Tuscaloosa, that was the deal there. Uh, Craig says, wish Juice Wells would come back, but doubtful. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think Juice could end up having a bigger second half than first half, too. Uh, you know, I, he, he's on my kind of need-to-use-more list with a lot of guys. But, um, you know, I I, uh, I think if Juice gets, you know, 50, 60 catches this year, uh, he, and, I, and I think he's ready, quite frankly. I, I think Juice Wells is ready to go to the NFL. Uh, Nectarius Nick Tar- Nick says, any news on Atkins? Uh, I'm assuming you mean Greg, no, uh, other than his health is uh, stable right now, and we just wish him the best and hope he gets back. Quantrell says, since the fair's in Columbia in the next few weeks, what's y'all's favorite fair food? I love the donut burgers, personally. Mm. Oh, donut burger. Yeah, I don't know. My favorite one, I go simple. I love the funnel cake. Nothing like a good funnel cake. You read my mind, Phil. <laughs> I, I, I was even going to use the word, I'm going simple. I'm going uh, simple, yeah. A funnel cake, a little powdered sugar, maybe yeah. some uh, blueberry topping, something like that. Mm. Uh, my fiance is in the chat box, Nat. Oh, what's up, Nat? Hey, guys, finally getting to listen again. Yay! She asked if you had a mustache, Phil, and I think uh, maybe I see one coming. It is a little bit, you know, yeah. I kind of silently committed to not shaving the mustache until we lose again, so that's that's where that's Here going. we go. Phil Mullinax <laughs> on the record. No shave. No shave November. <laughs> no shave November. That's yeah, right. I think, it's, uh, I think you'd actually look pimp with a mustache. Like if you grew a handlebar mustache. Well, it doesn't come in that thick or that good. Oh. I'm blonde, so it's hard to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's tough. That's tough. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dye that bad boy though. Get, get Dina to do the wax for you. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's probably hating me right now. Like, don't don't give him any ideas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Andrew said for um, Andrew four twenty eight. Who is the next most likely commit for the twenty three class? Uh, and Clint says Elijah Davis. Hopefully. Yeah, I, you know, he's visiting for the Missouri game. Uh, he's been very quiet recruiting-wise. Uh, but I, I kind of get the sense he wants to come home. Uh, most kids that go to Mississippi junior colleges do. <laughs> um, I know Bama's in the mix and all that, but I, I don't know. You know, Bama's got a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to defensive line. But now I'm not ruling out Bama uh, or Florida State for him, but uh, – you know, if you follow the visits, he's basically visited here, and that's it. Uh, Craiger says, "Will we take a six O lineman with Owens?" Um, I, I think they'd revisit it if he if he showed interest. Uh, I can't guarantee that would happen. I, I probably would because you can never have too many of those guys. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what's ha- what happens there. I mean, you know, there could be some red flags that that popped up with him too. Um, I, I know that just following his recruitment, I, I'd be a little bit hesitant, even if he committed, uh, to believe he would ultimately sign. I think he's a back-and-forth guy. Um, ben says, I love Lamont Paris's vibe. He reminds me of Pete Limbo. 
and his demeanor and how he is at press conferences. Yeah, he's laid back, funny, mm-hmm. uh, all that good stuff. Uh, AJM2 says, we have so much momentum right now in the news about Texas A&M's quarterback situation. You've got to love our season outlook at this point. I think 93 is highly likely. Craiger says, if that happens, he kisses mom on the lips. <laughs> Um, he says, and next year with Rattler and company returning, the sky's the limit. Don't, don't, don't bet on that. I mean, don't, don't bet on Spencer Rattler returning. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, uh, and company, I mean, they're, they're going to lose a lot of players now. They're going to return a lot of players too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Um, opening up North Carolina next year in Charlotte. Is that the other last Charlotte game, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joey says, I'm going to Vandy game this year. It's first time staying in Nashville. Enjoy Nashville. Uh, love it. <laughs> Used mm-hmm. to live there. Uh, Nat says, porn stash. <laughs> and Ben says, mustache, mustache mafia. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Brian. <laughs> Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Juju McDowell. All I want to do is make love to you. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Daddy O says throwing big money at 19 year old kids can turn bad if not mag- managed co- correctly. Agreed. And yeah. um, look, I have questions about that. And uh, just because, you know, the, the big part of their recruiting class last year at AM was defensive line, right? I mean, on paper, the sickest, greatest, best defensive oh. line class I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But you got guys from South Florida and Philadelphia and Tennessee. And I mean, and Texas A&M is a Texas school. I mean, it's a different deal there. And you're bringing these guys from all over the place. And NIL was a big part of it, you know, so they're already paid. And then College Station, I mean, that's just not a spot everybody embraces. You know, it's not for everybody. I respect Texas A&M, and I understand the culture and all that. But, um, you know, I, I just had some questions about that, you know, when it comes to college football. Now, uh, I think all those D linemen are still there. So, who knows? Who knows? But, uh, you know, it, something is amiss a with Texas A&M this year. Something's weird. I mean, it's just, you know, they they go out, they, they play well sometimes, um, they're fortunate at times. I think they're fortunate against Arkansas. Uh, they beat Miami. That was a big win at the time, but Miami's fallen off the face of the earth as they were, as they normally do. That's another NIL team, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, so, so who knows what will happen? Uh, Although I, I give Cristobal the, the benefit of the doubt. This is year one. I think he can actually put it together because I think he can build a like-minded culture in Miami you know, similar to what Shane's doing here in Columbia. I like Mario Cristobal. I thought he was a, mm-hmm. a caged animal hire uh, for them. That's his out. The U is his alma mater. Um, it may be a situation where you just got to weed out some of the old bad there, yeah, uh, yeah, and go with the good. Go with the good. Who knows? Who knows? We we, well, we all keep waiting for Miami to come back, and they just haven't. <laughs> of course, they got a lot of nil money too, so we'll see. Right. Uh, Joey says Harbor's been quiet on social media since his Michigan visit. Yeah, my understanding is that visit went well. South Carolina went well. Did he go to LSU? I don't know. Was he supposed to go for the Tennessee game? Or was it know. Mississippi State? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, AJM2 says, I don't know if Harbor loves football. 
Yeah, I don't care. Right. <laughs> That's something I look for, right? But if you're going to play him on offense and just throw him the ball, of course, who knows what would happen with this system. Uh, you know, let him do it. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I think he's a big-time track athlete uh, with a bright future in some sort of athletics. But, uh, you know, they, they, look, there's a lot of guys that, that, that play football that don't necessarily love it with that kind of athleticism that helped the team. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the question would become, can, can he become a first-round draft pick, you know, without loving football? And I think that answer is resoundingly no. Yeah. Um, Daddy O says, yeah, I found out real quick last weekend, Chicago ain't the low country. Same mm-hmm. thing for northern kids coming down to Texas, culture classes. <laughs> yeah, you can't get you can't get shrimp and grits anywhere in Chicago, and if you do, they don't do it right. Right. So, <laughs> uh, Craig says too early question for next season. We're losing just about the entire O line. Who do we think has a chance to start next year? Well, I mean, Eric Douglas, Jovan Gwynn, Dylan Wana will be gone. Wanamaker should be back. Lee should be back. Chikai Moore will be back. You got Trey Jones uh, there, who I think is good. Maybe Wyatt Campbell. Who's playing well? Maybe uh, uh, Isaiah Jada's coming in from junior college. Um, so I think they'll be fine. The, the depth on the O line will be young, but that's probably pretty good. Uh, you know, pretty good thing because for, for these guys coming in like Marquis Anderson and Big Tree Babalade, uh, they can kind of play a backup role next year as true freshmen and get ready for the next year, 2024, when they'll really lose some of these names that we've been hearing about for years. Uh, and DeRosia mentions Case and Henry, who uh, of the three they brought in last cycle, he's ahead of all of them. He's a big, mean, nasty guy. So uh, I can see him definitely playing a factor and competing uh, for a job. Craig mm-hmm. says, touchdown, Carolina, touchdown, Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> all right so we got to get to a break because chris yeah, is coming let's just break he's already in the waiting room we'll all right well you got a quick break here we'll be right back chris fellows from the spurs up show joining us right here on inside the game custom show next just as your state farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates you can combine your home auto life or small business insurance with tony pope state farm insurance today and guess what you'll get that's right even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates in fact tony pope state farm is your go-to agent anywhere in south carolina north carolina or georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want so try combining your home life auto and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. 
Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccerfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks. Of course, the show is sponsored, brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the uh, at manscaped.com. First hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss Realty. Give Cindy a call for all of your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And we're joined now by Chris Phillips on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. JC, Phil, what's going on? Appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, obviously, an exciting week with what happened over the weekend, and uh, I know probably everybody's pretty pumped for the bye week as well. Get some time to relax, and great weekend for college football, though, man. I think I saw this is the most uh, 
most ranked matchups in one weekend since 2017 or something. So obviously we've got a lot of big SEC games, but a lot of great college football across the board, man. So excited to chat with you guys. It certainly is. You know, the game last week, um, I mean, I was pretty confident the game guys would go up there and win. I hadn't been right a whole lot this year. I think I nailed that one. But, uh, you know, it just seemed like the team – especially on defense and special teams, you know, we hear a lot about starting fast. Um, the offense did not start fast, but I thought, you know, defensively and special teams, I mean, probably just doesn't get any better than, than the way Carolina started that game Saturday night. Yeah, I think Chris would probably agree, but he just disappeared. Uh-oh. <laughs> Chris that's is – right. uh, we'll, right. we'll get him back there. We'll Lance, we'll Lance has already given him a C Philly one-up. So. I know, I know. Goodness, so. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is a pretty good weekend of college football, just like he mentioned. Yeah. Um, there we are. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, no that, worries. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Must change. Uh, yeah, can't talk. Can't talk good about the Gamecocks without the must change Packers. I, I thought about the the term vertical field position and and facing your fan and like it and, in my mind, and that's why it went off. But uh, yeah, so uh, you know. Special teams defense got off to a really good start, uh, probably as good as it gets on Saturday night. Uh, offense obviously did not. But, um, you know, I, I think there was something to be said for the game pass going out there in those two phases and setting the tone. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like you said, you couldn't ask for a better start, right, the the fumble and the opening play. And I'll give you credit, JC. You nailed it. You, your score prediction, uh, I, I thought you were you were spot on. Were you off by like one point? So, I mean, you, you absolutely nailed it. And, it, you know, I, I will say this as the week progressed last week. I, I, I felt more and more confident as the week went on. I, I think, you know, in our conversation, I, I was feeling very optimistic and excited, especially when you heard the Levis news. I think it was one of those things for me where – I just wanted to see this team go out and prove it until I picked it. You know what I mean? Because all the numbers supported that South Carolina was going to kind of do the same song and dance and and lay an egg on the road. But I will say after that first play, I know obviously it was a slow start for the offense. That first half, you have just 90 yards. But after that first play, I, I really felt like that represented more of a mentality thing from Kentucky where under Stoops, they've been this hard-nosed, ground-and-pound, whippy-at-the-line-of-scrimmage type of football team. And, and that kind of showed me like – are they leaning on like gimmicky finesse tonight? Like they don't just feel like they can line up and do what they've always done against Carolina. So um, I, I was confident from that standpoint, guys, that, that kind of felt like one of those, you know, cause the offense wasn't always clicking in the Spurrier days, right? I mean, the Gamecocks had to win some kind of sloppy games and, and lean on their defense. That game sort of reminded me of those vintage 10 to 13 games where the defensive line would just, would just take over, right, and, and suffocate mm -hmm. the opponent and give the offense time to sort of get going. And and so that was a lot of fun to watch. You know what I mean? Obviously, you come out of that football game, there's still a lot left to be desired on the offensive side, but it was so much fun to watch that defense finally, you know, that, especially that defensive line kind of live up to, you know, we've set lofty expectations and lofty goals for that unit. But guys like Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, I thought were flying around, right? Their performances need to be recognized for sure. Tonka Hemingway – had arguably his best performance in Garnet and Black thus far. Um, so it was great to see the defense flying around. Offensively, you get some things going in. Nothing else, if nothing else, you feel like you do have some positives to build off of from that second half. But all in all, huge win. And obviously the role that the culture climate thing played in that game. I mean, I, I had people last week telling me, oh, Chris, it's not a big deal. The coaches have forgotten about it. Why are you bringing these old quotes? And, and obviously that was not the case because they had the T-shirts ready to go. They had the shades. They, they took that very personally. And I, mean, I think it really, guys, goes to show 
why coaches, why they kind of live and die by the coach speak. I know we get tired of it, but Mark Stoops handed South Carolina a loaded gun practically when he made those comments. So, um, you know, a great win overall. I understand Levis didn't play, but it doesn't really give a damn, right? You lined up with your best 22. Heck, you had a couple safeties out. Uh, we're missing some key guys on defense, and you still found a way to get the job done. So, huge win for the Gamecocks. You sit four and two, which is, you know, where we – all hoped we would be, you know, on Monday's podcast, I'll do my mid-season report card and everything. And uh, certainly, again, it hasn't maybe looked at times, a lot of the times, the way we wanted it to. But, I mean, you sit four and two at the halfway point, man. If you'd have told me that in the preseason, I certainly would have signed up for it. So, uh, yeah, it feels good to beat the Cats, man. Something that needs to start happening much more often, for sure. Yeah, Chris, you know, I pointed out uh, uh, earlier this week or after the game, you know, you start thinking about, the Kentucky series, and and obviously, you know, Stoops, I think, is now seven and three against the Gamecocks. Mm. Tenth year. Time flies, man. Yeah. Mark Stoops has been in Kentucky for a decade. Mm. Uh, seven and three. But, you know, the, the last few years, uh, you know, Kentucky, Carolina lost to some not-so-good Kentucky, to some yeah. very average Kentucky teams during that time. The last few years have been, you know, the, the glorious, you know, probably since Bear Bryant or Jerry Claiborne's one good team. Uh, it's probably the golden era of Kentucky football. Carolina's two and two, the last four. Uh, and, and Carolina's been a program in transition. Um, you know, and, and, and some Kentucky folks were like, well, you know, Kentucky didn't have a quarterback in 2019 and they didn't have a quarterback this year. Well, you know, in 2020, uh, the Gamecocks, uh, I think, took 45 guys to Lexington. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that, the last game of the Bobo era. And, Gilbert Edmond and Daryl Ware were the starting linebackers. I mean, they had no shot um, in, in that one. And uh, and then last year's game in 2021, uh, most of the coaching staff will tell you, they flat out felt like they let that one slip away uh, mm. against the Wildcats. So, you know, if we're going to put asterisks by games, we can put asterisks by all the whole last four of them. Yeah. Uh, not to mention Luke Doty played last year with a crack <clears throat> in his foot. So you want to yeah. you want to throw that out too. Um I mean, I nobody think, nobody gave the Gamecocks sympathy last year when they were no. rotating through quarterbacks. So, I, it, listen, this is a this is a win anyway league. You know what I mean? Yes. You, you, mm-hmm. you got to go get them. It don't really matter when we look back five years from now if the Gamecocks are at that point. Let's say they're on a five game winning streak against Kentucky. Nobody's really going to care who were who was not playing in the game <laughs> in 2022. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it, it's, it's it's a win anyway league. You know, coaches don't get the excuses of injuries, and you know you got to go win with the guys you got. So. Kudos to South Carolina for taking advantage. Yeah, and I think this. I think um, yeah, you can kind of see the series turning a little bit, uh, I guess. You know, so, so many fr- – and it's not like Kentucky's been blowing Carolina out. Just so many frustrating losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was pro- it was good to see their stadium empty out uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter uh, for a change. Um, you know, I, I thought second half, Chris, play calling – I thought first half it left – it again was a clunky – and in person – you know, you, you get the sense when you're watching just how methodical and slow the first half was. Running guys in and out. Guy would make a play, run off the field. You can just see Kentucky's defensive coaches over there subbing and countering. And I just don't know that that's a recipe for success in modern college football. Uh, but in the second half, uh, I thought some of the play calling uh, not only was good, but it made a difference. I mean, the, the crossing pattern uh, play to uh, Jalen Brooks was good. Uh, obviously, the reverse was a, a beautiful call, uh, I thought. Um, you know, the, the touchdown to Juice Wells wasn't anything special, but it certainly uh, was blocked and executed well. And, and I think I think that tells us yet again, as I've been preaching all year, Juice Wells needs to get the ball more. 
Um, you know, even in the first half, the the one-on-one to Stogner, that was on Rattler. I mean, I, I think we, if you can get Austin Stogner in a one-on-one situation down the field against a short safety, if you look at what he did at Oklahoma, that's his game, you know. Uh, it was just a poor throw by Spencer. Yeah. Um, so I, I did see some light at the end of the tunnel uh, in the second half. You know, Carolina came out and scored 17 unanswered and basically put the game away. Uh, how do they uh, How do they sustain that? Uh, I did think they played with better tempo, uh, and it wasn't as methodical. But uh, I don't really have any kind of secret sauce about it. I yeah. just, you know, uh, what do you think about them sustaining that as we move forward? Yeah, I, I don't know if there really is secret sauce, JC. I thought just really the execution was better in the second half. Play calling, certainly, you know, that you put together three drives, 70-plus yards going down the field, and they're scoring drives, and – Everybody just looked a little bit more comfortable. You know, I, I don't know if how much the play calling really changed. I will say that reverse, uh, yeah, that might be the best play call of the year to this point. It, uh, you know, it's funny because Kentucky kind of did the same thing on the first play and it gets blown up. But when plays like that work, man, it's just a thing of beauty. And shout out to Antoine Wells, by the way, not just that touchdown he had, but that block on that reverse was just mm. punishing. I, I'm so glad it didn't get called or, fly, you know, you never know in football now they might flag something like that. But, uh, no, nah, man, I mean, I, I think that uh, continue to get the football to your top playmakers. I agree with you, by the way, on the Stogner pass. Uh, I, I have no problem with with giving receivers one-on-one opportunities. Man, you see it every week in college football. Like, if you feel that confident about your guys, which you should, and they get one-on-one, throw it up to them. But give them a chance, right? That, that, that was a play where I don't think Stog really had a chance to make a play. So, you know, Rattler's got to continue to be better. I think kudos to the offensive line. You know, this is a football team, if nothing else. I feel like they have improved week to week which is all you can really ask for, right? The offensive line especially. They've gotten much better. I mean, if you'd have told me a couple weeks ago that South Carolina would go to Lexington and outrush Kentucky, I would have said you were absolutely insane. (laughs) So uh, kudos to both lines of scrimmage for for their performance Mm -hmm. in that game. Um, You know, I said this earlier in the week, guys. Marshawn Lloyd, watching him run the football is intoxicating. I I mean, I just – like, I I don't know if you guys felt this. To me – on Saturday night, he looked effortlessly fast. Like, like he just is a guy. He's just fast. You know what I mean? Like, like he wakes up and he's fast. So, um, seeing him tote the rock, I mean, I think he's a guy twenty plus carries a week. I, I'd, I'd like to see. I know. I think he had twenty two in the game at Lexington. Again, Juice Wells needs to touch it consistently. Jalen Brooks needs to touch it consistently. I'd still. I think we'd all probably still like to see more of Jaheim Bell getting involved. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm really ready to draw any conclusions from the offense or for the offense from that game, just because it was such a mixed bag. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure they're going to take the time in the bye week to really self-evaluate and try to figure out, you know, what they're good at, what they're not implement that in the second half. And again, maybe that second half against Kentucky, we're looking back three, four games from now when the Gamecocks have rattled off a couple of victories. And we're saying, man, that second half against Kentucky, that's, that's when they figured out, right? Cause we've seen that before on the flip side. I think back to 2007 when South Carolina went to UNC and, the second half of that game, that's when it like all fell apart and then the rest of the season's history. So maybe the second half against Kentucky can be a springboard versus a, a negative, if you will. So um, I thought Spencer Rattler under center. I did like seeing him under center more. I thought he looked comfortable. But, uh, you know, eight for ten in the second half also. That drag route, like you mentioned, of Brooks was a thing of beauty, no doubt. And uh, the Gamecocks were much better on third down in this game, too, which they've struggled on immensely. So, um, you know, we'll see if we, they can carry that over. I, I tend to believe – I think I saw our guy Lance, who tunes in the Daily Crew every day. I think he asked a question about, do you think it'll be more of the same? Is Rattler just is who he is? And, and I, yeah, I, I want to think that they'll get it going, but I'm cautiously optimistic moving forward. I, I feel like, 
unless there's some sort of change going on behind closed doors. Like, I don't just think Marcus Satterfield's just going to reinvent himself. You know what I mean? So, and they can still win football games, but I just don't expect some, you know, some brand new offense to roll out there against Texas A&M. But the execution, second half, much better. I think you got to lean on your playmakers. I think really this offense needs to revolve around Marshawn Lloyd. I think he's the guy. He's the dude. Get him going each and every single week, and I think you'll have a really good shot of success. Yeah, yeah. I think you know with the offensive side of things, especially when it comes to Satterfield, it, you know, you it is what it is. You're six games in. If you go try to change things right. now, you're you're really just going to screw things up further. But like right. you, Chris, I thought execution at the Kentucky game was better than it had been all year. Like the you screen know, to Wells, right? Like we've ran yeah. screens all yeah. year. Those things are they're things of beauty when they work. When yeah, sure. perimeter I mean, blocking is there. It's good. I don't have a problem <laughs> with running a bunch of screens and swing passes as long as they work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We all want the same thing. We just want to be productive. That's all it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and it's just, it's just painful to watch an offense that keeps running stuff like that and gets stopped for no gain or minus one or gain of one. And that's why you clamor so much to go down the field. I mean, if we could just bubble screen teams to death, I don't know anybody that'd really complain. You know what I mean? But <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, they had a uh, Dylan Wanham and uh, Josh Van on that. That's that. that uh, yeah. A little bubble to juice over yeah. 42 yards. Had great blocks. Perimeter blocking was a lot better, I thought. I thought it was a lot better in that game. Yeah, it's getting better. Okay, so Lonnie Teasley's been coaching the offensive line now for five games. <laughs> They've gotten better, uh, I think. Uh, you know, it was it was a strange rotation a little bit at one of the tackle spots because it seemed like they had, like, scheduled play. And, and I, don't, I haven't confirmed this, but it, it kind of played out this way. Like uh, Jakai Moore played two quarters, and then uh, Jalen Nichols came in and played for two quarters. It was like a like a scrimmage almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they're playing well. I think Jakai's playing well. Uh, Joe Wine Gwynn, who's been up and down, was SEC lineman of the week. Eric Douglas, yeah. dare I say, is playing pretty well. Um, it looks like they've gotten to that point, and we we saw this during the Spurrier era a lot, Chris. Where especially when John Hunt was coaching, where the O line would start out disastrous. And then they tinker and mess with it, and sometimes two or three walk-ons would be starting by the end mm-hmm. of the year. But they would sudden they would gel, uh, and so I think there is such a thing as an offensive line gelling. I'm not saying they're perfect, uh, but they're certainly a hell of a lot better than they were. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head, JC, about the cohesiveness, and it looks like they're playing together as a unit. Uh, much more so than early in the season. I mean, again, like you mentioned, it's not perfect. I think specifically one of the plays that stands out is the the fourth and two, and you run out of the shotgun and you don't get it. And I'm like, golly, here we go again. But that, yeah, that, mean, was, that was that was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was tough. That was tough. That was tough. But uh, all in all, yeah, I mean, all things considered. Uh, when you looked early in the season and what you felt like the offensive line was going to be, certainly I think they've improved. You, you mentioned Jovan Gwynn getting SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. And, you know, we knew they had capable bodies up there. It was just about it all coming together. And, um, you know, again, we, we've heard a lot about the offense. is kind of difficult to grasp and difficult to understand. Maybe that's the case for the offensive lineman too. And it's starting to, oh, you know, yeah. they're having that light bulb moment. You know, everybody's got that light bulb moment. Maybe they're having that now. So, um, I think it's still fair moving forward to keep, you know, reasonable expectations for the offensive line. But I think the good news is, if nothing else, it looks like the offensive line maybe isn't as much of the eyesore as we thought it was going to be at one point. So, I mean, again, give those guys credit. And, again, anytime you go on the road in SEC play and you can pave the way for a rusher to go over 100 yards, maybe that's setting low expectations. But it's just not something we've seen a whole lot of, at least in recent memory. So, uh, I say job well done at the offensive line. I think all in all, too, I think Spencer Rattler's getting – it's it's not perfect, like you mentioned, but 
I think he's getting enough time to make plays. So, you know, I don't look at Kentucky and say, man, offensive lines, the, 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 just the top thing we got to fix. Um, I think they've done a great job of improving. And, again, you just hope to see that continue. I'll say this, too. I, I think two unsung heroes in the run game lately have been Wyatt Campbell and Nate Atkins. Uh, you know, when they put those guys – I guess it, I guess it's kind of a jumbo package. I don't know. But, dude, Wyatt Campbell's a big mean, you know. Boy, I mean, he's, he, he will hit dude, you. Dude, I, I – I, <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie to you. A couple of games ago, I was like, "Dude, who is number eight? I was like, "Who?" I was like, "Who is this?" Like, it's like Andy Boyd, Cody Gaskins, and a couple yeah. other guys like reincarnated into one. I was like, "Who is this?" With the with the cut up jersey, and I'm like, "This is like yeah, your, your typical like old school football guy." And sure enough, it's Wyatt Campbell. So, Luke Alford, yeah, he's been a beast up there. He's been a beast. Yeah, I mean, he, he'll get you. And I, I think Nate Atkins is blocking pretty well yeah. too in the yeah. run game, and that that helps Lloyd. And if they're going to do like you say, uh, and, and kind of Lloyd's going to be the focal point. Uh, moving forward, I, I think they're going to need that because uh, teams are going to start keying on it and all. They're going to have to have a passing game, but uh, oh, yeah. you know, if you're able to establish the run and and then uh, get the guys open downfield with Rattler, I think that's a good uh, a good recipe for winning as long as the defense continues to play yeah. uh, like it has. And they're getting some players back in the secondary for A and M and all that. Well, Chris, uh, what's your uh, what's your take on this weekend's games before we get uh, get you out of here, especially Alabama Tennessee? Yeah, and no, that's the game of the weekend for sure, man. I, I'm on the Vols plus seven and a half. I, I don't know that they win, but I, I think it's a close game. I'm a believer in Tennessee. I know a lot of our folks, and I know a lot of Gamecocks hate the Volunteers, and I, I certainly don't like them, but I think they're for real, man. I think obviously their question marks are on defense, but I mean, I picked them to go nine and three before the season started. So I, I think Tennessee's a quality football team. Again, I'm not necessarily bold enough to say they beat Alabama, but I tell you what, if Bryce Young doesn't play, mm, yeah. that, that thing's wide open because, I mean, mm. I don't think Texas A&M's all that great, and they almost beat the Crimson Tide, right? So, um, outside of that, what, you got Ole Miss and Auburn, I believe. That that should be a pretty good one. <laughs> could be the last one for Brian yeah, Harson. It, it yeah. could be the last one for Harson for sure. And this then uh, Florida LSU. Florida LSU's an intriguing game in the swamp. Yeah, I'm on LSU to I'm on LSU to win that one. I, I I still I still don't really know what to think of Florida because they they don't play very well. Anthony Richardson continues to get hyped up as this Heisman Trophy guy, and uh, so I mean I, I think the Gators have talent, but like I, I look at our game against them, I don't really know what to think. You know, people ask me, you know, is this one more winnable than? And it's like I think that's one of those games we're really not going to know until like the week of. You know, it's like how have they looked recently? How have we looked recently? And I and I will say, just back on the Gamecocks note, that that's the exciting thing, navigating through the bye week and then getting into the second half of the schedule. And, guys, we talked about the importance of starting four and two, having a quality win in your first half, having something to feel good about. Well, now you have that. And I think one of the most encouraging things, we're improving as a football team, right? We're, we're, we're certainly far from perfect, but the Gamecocks are improving. Again, I think that's all you can really ask. The good news is the teams you play, at least Texas A&M, Mizzou, Vandy, Florida, they are all, in my opinion, just as, if not more so, flawed and inconsistent than you are. So that's going to make for a lot of fun and exciting football. I don't say that in a negative. I say that in a positive in the sense that those are all toss-up games, in my opinion. South Carolina could win them all. Now, they also could lose three or four or lose them all. But it's going to be a very fun stretch the next four weeks. I think Tennessee and Clemson are a little bit tougher, obviously, but uh, – you know, all of a sudden, it's crazy, guys, how just winning one game can really change the outlook and the perception of your season. And, you know, this same time last week, you got fans, God, best case scenario is five and seven. We might go four and eight. And now, to now, I got people saying, 
we might start seven and two, man. You know, like, you know, it's uh, the highs are high and the lows are low on a weekend, week out basis when it comes to SEC football and SEC fan bases. But, uh, you know, again, it just feels good to go into this bye week and, and uh, you know, feel like you can see that the, there's light at the end of the tunnel and there's a lot of positivity and optimism back and, and uh, some very winnable games upcoming. So I, I know we'll talk more A&M next week, but uh, yeah, exciting times for sure. All right, Chris. Well, hey, I'll, I'll see you here in a little bit uh, over on the Spurs Up show. And uh, always a great segment, man. And uh, looking forward to uh, talking to you soon. Yeah, JC, Phil, I appreciate you guys. JC, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. So All right, buddy. Thanks. Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show. To his point, I wrote this down. Texas A&M, Missouri, Florida, LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina, maybe Auburn. All very similar teams. So far through the first yeah. half of the season, um, all of them, you know, and and I, I could say some were a little better than others and, and whatever and nitpick. But if, if you look at kind of the results, they're all kind of the same, you know, uh, Auburn's, agree. Auburn's mm-hmm. probably the worst one. Of all yeah, those. They're definitely last on the list. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're still, you know, they all kind of hang in the balance. They've been up and down, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So, yeah, Florida LSU is very intriguing. I, you know, LSU took it on the chin last week badly because you can't – against Tennessee, man, you can't fumble the opening kickoff against that group. You're you know, I mean, yeah. you, know, you can't run it straight up the middle. I mean, it's just uh, – it's ridiculous. 76 Gamecock from the Nanosports chat box says, Anthony Richardson – just isn't special, at least not at this point. Some tried to talk him into being a Cam Newton type. I'll pass on that. Yeah, man, look, he's he's up and down. You know, Mike Morgan uh, from the J.C. Morgan podcast, he's never really been sold on the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he follows that, that program along with all the other SEC programs very closely. He's seen him in person. Uh, Zach says Lloyd needs to work on ball security. Other than that, he's all the skills to be great. Zach, I just don't know about that, man. I haven't seen him like – fumble without there being a good reason. You know, in other words, at Arkansas. Now, he made a mistake switching his hand at Arkansas or whatever, but, you know, I, I hadn't seen hadn't seen anything bad from him in a while. No. Uh, and I, I don't think it's an epidemic. Look, man, I saw Marcus Lattimore fumble four times in a high school game. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Okay? <laughs> it happens. Um, so, uh, Zach also says, reminds uh, Anthony Richardson reminds him of Jeremy Johnson. Physical tools, but wasn't accurate. Yeah, that's the good deal there. All right, we'll be back with more Nana Sports chat box interaction. A little, uh, little something, couple of things from the uh, mailbag. Mailbag, I help consulting mailbag. Yeah, I think I saw one in there. I can't get into the Gmail account right now, though. I gotta, oh. I gotta go put the actually. Yeah, actually, I'm just yeah. reading it right now. It's a, it's an it's a it's an off the air email from the oh. mailbag. So. If you got a mailbag question, send it in inside the gamecocks at gmail.com and we'll certainly answer it. But as for now, we're going to take a break. Top of the hour. We'll be back after these messages with more of Inside the Gamecocks, the show on a Thursday. Wow. Week is flying by. The open day flying by uh, right here. Uh, talking more gamecocks and things like that. We'll be back. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. 
Sear Voss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccerfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The second hour is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at aburgesson, that's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net. And, of course, the show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And looking ahead at tomorrow, JC, we actually do have Wando coming in again. So we get to resume our weekly chats with Michael Flint at noon tomorrow. All right. That's cool. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, a couple of, there's some kind of alarm going on. Is your house on fire? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Save the turtle and the dog. <laughs> oh, the refrigerator's open for some reason. I'll go, I'll go get it after the break. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think all these teams are very similar, and that, that's good for the Gamecocks because, you know, we, you can kind of hang in the balance, and then the more confident you are, uh, the better. As long as you stay healthy, uh, I think mm-hmm. the, the better your chances of winning uh, are. LSU was confident enough to beat, come back and beat Auburn on the road. Auburn has not been confident enough to win. Uh, no. They were lucky to beat Missouri. They they weren't confident. They, that had nothing to do with confidence. That was Missouri blowing it. Missouri hadn't been confident enough to win, but man, that game in Vanderbilt sort of scared me a little bit because. Missouri's playing a lot of close games, uh, and eventually one's going to go their way. So, um, you know, so I I don't know. You know, it's kind of a crazy year. Like, this is like 2014 revisited because the Mississippis are really, really good. Mississippi, Mississippi State. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, both of them. Remember that year back then, Dak Prescott. That's right. Number one in, and Hugh Freeze had Ole Miss rolling and ranked number one on the other, and uh, it's kind of similar to that season in a lot mm-hmm. of ways if you look at the Western Division. But um, it would not hurt my feelings at all to see Ole Miss run the table. <laughs> Lane Kiffin? Yeah. Just, you know, why not? <laughs> Either one of them. You know, you got two of the best personalities in the SEC coaching both of those Mississippi programs right now. Either of them would be interesting to see them win. <laughs> I said, uh, I, oh, JC and Morgan the other day, I said, what if. We go back to 19, you know, Vol fans are always talking about 1998 because yeah, right. that's mm-hmm. the last time they won the championship. What if we end up in in Atlanta here uh, a couple of months and it's just like 1998, Tennessee versus Mississippi State. Tennessee, Mississippi State. In the dang championship. Oh, I'd love it. I'd yeah, love it. a lot of points on the board in that one. Yeah, there but, would. <laughs> and, and you'd have the Mike Leach storyline where he tried, he was going to get the Tennessee job and then – the Tennessee uh, powers that be and Philip Fulmer were like, no, you're not hiring them. And we're going to go hire Jeremy Pruitt and or, or we're going to hire Philip Fulmer to go hire somebody, blah, blah, blah. So that would be interesting. I, I doubt that happens. I'll say this, the Egg Bowl and um, I don't know what they call it, the Battle for Los Angeles, Battle Los Angeles. That's a that's a science fiction movie. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, USC, Southern Cal, and UCLA are going to be. It's going to be a, a pretty good game too. But those- Chip Kelly has quietly put this program on the right track. It's yeah. interesting. I, mean, we, it I, I thought he would be fired by now because he's mm-hmm. got off such a bad start. But they've been patient with him. His offense has evolved. Um, you, you know. When he got back from the NFL and took over that job, he's not running what he ran at Oregon. And I've, I've always kind of thought, well, I don't know why you're doing that. I mean, your offense at Oregon scared the crap out of everybody. Yeah. Um, running more pro-style stuff. And it's taken his quarterback three years to get rolling with it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there you go. If, if you're in a pro-style system three years or whatever, and his, his system's a lot different. It's more RPO-based. It's like a, a little more complicated than what Alabama does, you know, on offense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not like South Carolina's, which at times reminds me of, you know, the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But that's fine. Yeah, you want to play a 1980-style offense and you win, I don't care. <laughs> you win, score points, score touchdowns, I don't care. Uh, eventually, eventually, though, some recruits, like, you know, you got a guy as good as Juice Wells and he catches 25 balls or however many in one place and he can go another and catch 70, they're going to go to the 70. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fact of life. Uh, I don't care what you do but on the other end of it. Um, Jared says, who wins the Matt Rule sweepstakes? Is A&M a pot? Actually, first of all, Lady Bree, explain this about the two fumbles, but really question, not a ball security issue. Uh, only two fumbles this year, right? Just let me just let me know what, what that means. Uh, Jared says, uh, who wins the Matt Rule sweepstakes? Is A&M a possible destination? Big buyout, but big oil pockets. I cannot see them. Well, here's the good thing about Rule. He gets $40 million from the Panthers. He can actually take less money to get a college job because it offsets. So yeah, I think he sits. I think he's. I think he takes a little time off. Why? I mean, un- until he gets the program that he wants, you know. I'd start a whisper campaign for James Franklin to get a big job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Rule would go to it's Penn State in a that's heartbeat. His, that's, his yeah. deal. that's a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's probably where he belongs. Uh, of course, I thought. When Franklin left Vandy, I thought he'd be dumb not to go to Penn State because he's from there, and you know that's such a such a good program. I, I think Penn State this weekend beats Michigan. I, I, oh. I know I'm probably wrong because I have been all year, but uh, you know Penn State's battle tested. They've been to Auburn, uh, they went to Purdue to open the season and came back and won. You know, Michigan has played nobody. Yeah, that's been my big thing with Michigan is like, no. okay, you're undefeated, but you have not played a soul. Not anyone. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, so. That's the flimsiest 6-0 and there is right it's now. The, it's in the big house, right? And Harbaugh's mm-hmm. a good coach. They got a really good quarterback, too. He's from Chicago. But uh, I just think, I think Penn State's more battle-tested and, you know, we all keep waiting for James Franklin to get that signature win at a Michigan or at a Ohio State or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's gotten some signature wins, but this would be this would be huge uh, if he got got it on the road. And I think I think they'll do it. So uh, yeah, my bad on the alarm, folks. I'll go fix that in a second. Um, so so you know, does he sit and go to just see if Penn State happens to open? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, of all the jobs out there right now, I think he'd fit best at like Nebraska or Arizona State uh, because those are schools that have a shot. You know, arguably yeah. those schools are set up better for success. I don't know about Nebraska these days. Arizona State definitely is. Then like a Baylor, you know, Baylor's a success story. You know, mm. Baylor's, uh, uh, you know, and especially they're they're better set up than Temple, but. You know, he, he's kind of a guy that he does more with less. You know, that's why I wondered about him in the pros. I was just like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Doc Graybeard said, I'm not sure I'd want a job at any Texas school. Wow, it's always something. They love their football out there, Phil. Yeah, they do. They're obsessed with it. it Even, I, just, I was looking at some pictures of high school stadiums, just high school stadiums. I mean, they're like, you know, FCS level college football fields out there. 
<laughs> like, a lot of them are bigger than like Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean they're huge. I mean it's it's uh, nicer facilities than Vanderbilt out there, right? Saunders is eighty six million, still eighty six million, or my old money or not. I personally think Jimbo is safe for a bit. Nat says the fridge is open, clown. I know, honey. I know. I'm waiting for the break. I don't want it. It's live. We don't. The fridge is open, clown. Clown. She's like, the fridge is open, clown. Uh, happy, happy, happy. Says, sup, everybody. Hope everyone's having a fantastic, wonderful Thursday. It's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood up in here. Hi. Hey. hey. Neighbors. Everyone's having a fantastic, wonderful Thursday. I'm predicting that the Gamecocks cannot possibly lose this weekend. That's no right. fight, win, and kick ass. Oh, who is that? Beeping at my door. I, 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 thought it, I thought it was Mr. McFeely, but it's the fridge. Clown. <laughs> Saunders says, please close the fridge. LOL. Please close the fridge. Please close the damn fridge for the love of God. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Jalen Brooks. Please close the fridge, clown. Uh, 76 says, I'm definitely asking Mike Leach for some marriage advice and tips. Anyone see the Alyssa Lang interview? It was too funny. I did. And I did too. Funny. Yeah, he gives the same advice I do for uh, people potentially looking to wed <laughs> elope. Elope. <laughs> elope. I love how he said he'd offer his kids ten thousand dollars to do so. Yeah, like, I'll give you ten thousand dollars to do it. Yeah, I imagine uh, he make out a lot better that way financially. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, oh man, yeah. Hey, somebody gives me that deal tomorrow. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'll call you up, Phil, and be like, "Hey." Let's- you guys want to go to Vegas this weekend and just stand there with us? You know, I, I think I told Nat to Nat on the phone one night. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about moving yeah. the web like a lope. For God's sake. <laughs> um, rules monthly check is $880,000. Saunders says an interesting thread on Reddit right now about South Carolina ceiling in football. Interesting to hear other fans' thoughts on the future trajectory of our program. Yeah, you know, most of them are going to, you know, there's a lot of different opinions out there. Now, I think one, what I look for, the opinions I respect are the ones that kind of deal in reality and not the same old, like, crap, like Mm. people talk about, like, oh, small state. Well, the population of South Carolina is more than Alabama, and they have no problem with Alabama and Auburn, I know Auburn's not right, not good right now, but that's not going to last. Auburn will be back. Uh, Auburn's won a national championship. Probably should have won a couple, played for another one, and Alabama's Alabama. So, you know, South Carolina has more people, I believe, than Louisiana and Arkansas and Mississippi. I think the only states bigger uh, than more than Kentucky, Tennessee's bigger, Missouri's bigger, Texas, Georgia, and Florida are obviously bigger, but – it's, it's a small state land-wise, but it's not small population-wise, so I don't buy that at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Facilities are good. Um, it the, the program has won at times. I mean, you know, the, you don't have a lot in the trophy case, but you have a Heisman Trophy winner. You have two number one overall draft picks. You've had, what, three Hall of Famers coaching football here. You've uh, played in 24 bowl games, which isn't huge, but it didn't, uh, you know, and I, I think uh, – I think 15 of those have come since 2000. Um, you know, you, you've had some big wins. You've beaten number one ranked teams. I mean, it's 
uh, you know, there's tradition, you know, the the sandstorm thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a good culture right now being implemented. So uh, the ceiling, uh, you know, can, can, can Carolina go on a run like Clemson? I don't know. Uh, I don't know that it's realistic that, that they're there in the playoffs five straight years. Just because it's the SEC and there's some damn good programs in this league that don't make it five straight years, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the flip yeah, side. This Alabama run is totally unprecedented, and we should yeah. all appreciate it for what it is because it is just remarkable. Yeah, exactly. Alabama, this is – we're living through the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't win it every year. They don't win the SEC every year. Uh, so, so it's it's tough. But you know, can South Carolina be a contender? Yes. Uh, you know, consistent contender. Yes. I said. I think the issue is going to be do this. It's going to be once if Shane, let's say Shane Beamer gets it back to where Spurrier had it. Okay. Um, and that's not winning eleven every year. That's being in cont in contention for the division. If there's no divisions, in contention for the league. Uh, most seasons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, what happened with Spurrier was he kind of got toward the end. He made some bad coaching hires, uh, guys that didn't want to recruit, uh, guys that couldn't recruit, guys that were bad evaluators. Uh, his coordinators, coordinator on defense, whammy, ended up being a mess after Brad Long left. Uh, he just didn't replace his good coaches with good coaches. Uh, and then the recruiting suffered. And so they left a roster with 20 guys that can play in the SEC. The key for the next person that gets it there, and this happened with Holtz too, right? This happened with Holtz too toward the end, is mm -hmm. keep recruiting, keep keep bringing in talent, keep going. Um, Clemson didn't do it overnight. Georgia, uh, Kirby Smart inherited quite a team in 27 for his second year to make that run. But then they kind of came back, and it took them a little while to get back. Uh, to, to being a national championship level team. Uh, mm -hmm. The issue is whoever, you know, gets it to where it, it can be, to where its ceiling is, you got to kick in the door. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I use this analogy, you know, once you get to the door in college football to get in the party, you got to kick in the door and go on in because nobody mm -hmm. wants you to come in the party. It's an exclusive party, right? Yeah, nobody's letting you in. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's letting you in. You know, you got a bouncer there and all You got to kick in the door and go in. Carolina's mm -hmm. had chances to do that. I, I think one of the, I think it may be even a different situation here altogether right now had in some of those years, uh, Carolina won the division where they, they were probably all three of those 11 and twos, the best team in the division. If you looked at the body of work schedules, just didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they could have won five straight divisions, 2010, 20, even 2014, you blow three fourth quarter leads to Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, or you're in Atlanta. Again, you probably get cut by Alabama yeah. <laughs> badly that year. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, th I think if South Carolina had gone to Atlanta five straight years, win or lose, even if they become like the Buffalo Bills of the SEC championship game, mm -hmm. the Bills lost four straight Super Bowls, right? No, um, no. Mm -hmm. That raises the profile of of the program enough uh, to where you're, you're, you're all, to, you know, five straight years of playing meaningful football in December uh, is something, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to maybe keep going. Maybe it doesn't because the recruiting issues and coaching issues remain. Uh, but I think that was left on the table. And, and, you know, 2013, when you lose up at Tennessee like that, 
uh, that cost his shot probably at a national title. Yeah, I was going to say that's that was the winnable year, you know, where you could have gone into yeah. Atlanta and rolled, and then you'd have been in the first playoff. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, the last BC. Yeah, the last BC. Yeah, yeah, last BC. Uh, against Jim Bowman and Florida State. Steve Spurrier in the Rose Bowl against Florida State for the national championship of Carolina. It could have happened. A lot of weird stuff happened at the end of that year. The kick mm-hmm. six kicked it off. Uh, and then for some reason, Michigan State decided to beat Ohio State and Urban Myers crying in his pizza afterward. Um, but that allowed the Gamecocks to – that would allow the Gamecocks, who I thought matched up better with Auburn that year than Missouri did um, in that game. I was actually at that game, uh, Auburn-Missouri, for the SEC title. Uh, you know, uh, I think if that happens, you know, uh, it's a different situation. So there's still a lot left on the table. Um you know, there's been two years, really. You know, Keith will, Keith Keith says sometimes 1980 could have been different. I I don't I know that was George Rogers Heisman year. If they'd have beaten Georgia, maybe um, you know, maybe something, maybe they get in the mix. Then I mean, all the voting and stuff that happened then was confusing. But uh, 84 lost to Navy, 2013 lost to Tennessee. Uh, cost this program. Um, you could be staring up at national champions 1984, 2013. At Williams Rice, and not just the '69 ACC championship, yeah, right? Um, you know, if that had happened, but uh, there's a lot to be accomplished. But I, but I think the next thing is, you know, when you get to the point, get back to the point, keep going, keep mm. going, uh, and that's the beauty of having a youngish coach and Shane Beamer that wants to be here a while. Is if he gets it there, he's going to keep going um, and keep chasing it. And all that. All right, got some more good questions from the Nana Sports chat box. I'm going to go close the fridge. I was going to say, we could take a quick break. We'll take yeah. a little early break and we'll run a little long on the back half. Take an early break and we're along on the back half. I got to close this fridge. So uh, we got people in the chat box going, I thought something was going on at my house. Touchdown, <laughs> Carolina. Touchdown, ADT alarms. Burning oh, down the house. Close the damn fridge, clown. We'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or if you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Mer Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, 
or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have uh, eliminated the alarm sounds from the refrigerator. <laughs> which is good. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, I was wondering and, what the heck that was. <laughs> marked safe from the beeps. The but no, the show is brought to you by Manscaped. Don't forget, manscaped.com. Use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. BIGSPUR. Uh, and the second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Give Adam or Eric Burgesson a call or shoot them an email at a Burgesson. That's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N for all of your commercial or multifamily real estate needs. All right. Nana's Sports Chat Box continues to blow up. Uh, Zach said Texas A&M has more talent on paper. They do. Yep. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know that Kentucky has more talent on paper um, than Carolina. I, I think Arkansas and Carolina are probably even. Um, you know, I, I think there's 
uh, a lot of talented teams that uh, you know maybe don't play like it a lot, um, and they got issues, you know. And 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 they put it they credit them for going into Alabama and playing a tough game. I think that almost hurts them confidence wise because you know they came up just short and. Obviously, that's a game that a lot of their guys are going to get fired up about. They're eight zero mm-hmm. against South Carolina. The last three have been blowouts. Yeah, I don't think the uh, questionable play calling at the end of the game helps anything either from a, a, a buy-in standpoint. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Johnny Manziel actually pointed that out on Twitter. <laughs> Johnny Football points it out on Twitter. You're in trouble, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would have liked to have seen them maybe go back across the field. Nick Saban, by the way. If you look on uh, Twitter, I, I think there's a video of him on his coach's show breaking that play down. My goodness, I can oh. let them talk about football all day. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I got to check that out. He, he has a. I didn't know they have a. They have a couple of positions on their defense called the Rat. That's a good name for a defensive guy. The Rat. The Rat. You're the Rat. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how A and M comes in, especially. You know, and I think if they have to go with their 13 quarterback, that could actually help them because mm-hmm. it's like, all right, let's rally around this guy or whatever. But but who yeah. knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, Drew. I don't know. I just think you're going to get a heavy dose of A-chain next Saturday. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's He didn't go very far against Bama, but that's bad. No. Uh, but uh, if I'm A&M, I'm coming in here and saying, okay, uh, you couldn't you, you couldn't really stop Rodriguez, but you know for a half. So we'll see mm. how you can do against A Chain. He's really good. Yeah. Um, Drew says, "Why do you think it's so hard for top college coaches to succeed in the NFL? Same reason it's hard for top NFL coaches, I think, to succeed in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't see Andy Reid coming to the college level and being really good." It's a different kind of leadership, you know, it's required for NFL players. It's it's like you've been saying, I mean, NFL players are motivated by paychecks and, you know, you gotta, you gotta sell buy-in and (laughs) program and brotherhood. And there's not enough time in the week. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's not too, it's the same sport, but it's two different games. How how does that sound? Same sport, two different games. I mean, NFL, you have to be nuanced and compl- and a bit complicated. You have time to be that way uh, because everybody's good. You know, you're facing – and I guess if you apply that to the SEC, you'd say, well, everybody's good in the SEC, so you have to do it. But you just don't have time, you know, to, yeah. to run it NFL style. So um, – and, and I think uh, in the NFL, too, it, it, you know, the, the motivation factor comes in. You know, Steve Spurrier is like, you know, probably not known as a rah-rah motivator, but uh, like he said in his book, he was like, well, the the best motivator is the bench. Well, in the NFL, you know, you have a general manager saying, nah, you can't bench your starting quarterback. Yeah, we're paying him, you know, $7 million this year. (laughs) Because he threw a pick. You know, you fix that. You're the coach. Um, I think it chews you up and spits you out a little bit. I mean, but you look, you know, Lou Holtz and Urban Meyer didn't even last a season in the NFL. Urban Meyer was a disaster, and, and Urban's probably the most similar to Lou. He coached for Lou, so that's uh, it makes sense of, of mm-hmm. the modern coaches that have had a lot of success. Yeah. Uh, the only one I think would have had success had he stuck with is Nick Saban, because I think that while he likes the college game better, uh, I think he could have 
had he had a quarterback and all that, he, he has a good enough mind uh, and a good enough approach uh, to win games at that level. And he did. I think he went eight, eight, 10 to six and eight and eight. I mean, he didn't have a losing season with the Dolphins. No, no it wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, he's coached there before. So uh, I think it was, you know, Bobby Petrino didn't last a year in the NFL. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I read something where he's on the hot seat. He's done better than I expected. I thought that could be an abject disaster. But um, still, he's like 26 and 27. Chip Kelly kind of got railroaded. I mean, because, you know, in college, too, the coach is the kind of the – if you have a good, a great head coach, he's got a lot of power, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he says sort of goes. Not in the NFL. I mean, Chip LaShawn McCoy sort of threw Chip Kelly under the bus, <laughs> and he was out, you know, and then had a disastrous year with the 49ers. I mean, you know, Harbaugh – Succeeded in the NFL, uh, but I think he's just such a weird guy. That, <laughs> just that doesn't mesh. Yeah, <laughs> he's not really motivating anybody, you know, and and all that. So, and, and I think too, you know, uh, who was the D coordinator at Missouri last year? Was it Steve Wilkes, who's now the interim of Wilkes. the Panthers? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so. Look how historically bad Missouri's defense was last year. Uh, of course, he did pretty well against Carolina, but uh, pro style versus pro style, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, he's considered one of the best defensive minds in all of, of football, right? Um, and uh, all of pro football. Uh, and he came to Missouri and got completely cut last year, <laughs> completely destroyed, right? Now he's at the interim head coach uh, title with the Panthers, so we'll see what happens with with Steve Wilkes moving forward. But, you know, and there's a lot of guys that come from the league that, you know, look at, man, Kentucky's offensive coordinators the last two years haven't blown me away. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, if I were them, I'd probably miss Eddie Grant. So I, I think it's it's the same sport, but two different games. Uh, that's the best way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael says, all the recent hate on Satterfield, I think he called a great game versus Kentucky. We could definitely get it to our playmakers more often. Spencer has to get the ball off quicker. That's true to a certain extent. I thought in the second half, <laughs> excuse me, bless you, bless you. I'm allergic to excellence. Um, all the excellence here is just get gotten, you know, all that. But uh, I, I, I don't agree that he called a great game the first half. I thought it was awful, actually. I don't need. I thought it was clunky. I, I didn't. Well, you know, article things didn't couple, make sense. A couple of decent plays mixed in there, but the the flow was off. Yeah. I mean, just look, just look at what we did. You know, after the block punt. That kind of says it all. Yeah, and that, that got me. I was like, chuck it in the end. Try, try, just throw it in the end zone. You know, see, you know, shoot, throw it in the end zone. Yeah, and, you know, and when they're expecting that and you break off an 11 yard run, and then, well, why not try it again? Yeah. <laughs> the creative explosion, explosive plays are nice, but maybe we're focused on the explosive cute plays too much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like the pass to Stogner, again, I, I'll say is a great play call because that's. You've been looking to get him in that situation just about the whole year. Um, it didn't work, but I liked it, you know. And, and so I think there's a difference between, you know, plays that work and good play calling. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not every good play call works. Not every bad play call is bad, you know. And I haven't uh, noticed a lot of cute from Satterfield this year, which is good. No. Right. <laughs> Um, 8JM2 says Carolina has a way higher ceiling than Clemson. 
We have SEC money, SEC credibility, and we're the flagship university. We also have Better City and richer alumni. Uh, all that's true. I would say Clemson people, though, as far as money goes, they're a little more all in. Can you speak? <laughs> Can you say all in? Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. No, but I'll say this Gamecock fans step up. It's just, you know, it's different. Yeah. Winning, winning helps. You want to, yeah, you could be all of that with more winning. Yeah. Tony <laughs> says if our Gamecocks can play AM for four quarters like they played Kentucky in the second half, then we can win out possibly. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I think if Carol, like I said, you could lose every game, you could win every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, certainly, you know, you don't look at the schedule now. I mean, there's no ambush out at Arkansas because, you know, if you played Arkansas again, things may be different, especially without Jefferson. But, uh, mm-hmm. There's no buzz hall to run into out there. Um, and then Georgia, you know, obviously they're not on the schedule anymore. Um, everybody else, uh, very flawed. I know Tennessee's playing well, and if they beat Bama this weekend, I'll probably change my tune on that. Clemson's playing very well right now for for who they play. Um, but uh, you know, Carolina has a puncher's chance in all of them, and also has a chance to get beat. So yeah. uh, that's and that's exciting because what what you want in a football season is a chance. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you've hit um, on one of the key you know questions here, Tony. Is you know we have yet to be able to put together four quarters of good football in all three phases of the game. Yeah, and, you know, we just until we see that it's going to be hard to say we can do it. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Cynical Aries says good insight. I've always wondered what it was that truly hurt the program during Spurrier's last few years. Yeah, you know, Spurrier. The thing is, at Florida, all right. So he got it rolling at Florida. Um, and outside of Bob Stoops, man, not a lot of superstar coaches on his staff. They're basically his buddies. No, and the you money know? had really just started to creep its way into the game. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so he could just go out there because he's so good at calling plays. And when he had a competent uh, uh, defensive coordinator, shoot, I mean, they, and they they didn't even recruit all that. They had the number one class one year at Florida, probably toward the end. Uh, and, and that just kind of things fell their way. But, you know, back then they would split like the top 66% uh, of players in the state of Florida with Florida State and Miami. Florida State and Miami were usually ranked ahead of them, you know, 22%, 22-22, and that's good enough. If you get, you know, 22 of the top 66 in Florida every year, you're going to have a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he then he dialed it up and had quarterback, and no, nobody could stop his play calling and all that. Well, South Carolina, uh, he got it rolling again. And I think he was just like, well, shoot, I can just go hire anybody. And, and you know, Steve Jr. could be my recruiting coordinator. The recruits are just going to come. But, you know, because that's what happened at Florida. That's all he knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he really kind of grasped the fact that, uh, you know, after 08, which was your worst team, when you get when six guys left off the staff and you replaced them with Ellis Johnson and Ward and, uh, G.A. Mangus and Jay Graham and, uh, you know, all those guys came in. You know, Fitz came in as the as the strength coach, that that was a special group and that that allowed your program to recruit to where you get players and then you ascended, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, he kind of replaced those guys with so-so guys. Uh, and, and but then those guys, there was enough. There were enough players left over to where in 2012, 2013, Carolina still won big. 
They can hang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, you know, I, I you know, and, and he said this before. He's like, I should have fired some of those guys. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah, Lorenzo uh, Ward being the most glaring one, you know, because it was like he was obviously just relying on the talent. Yeah, <laughs> Ward. The, the problem with him was he's a secondary coach, and he couldn't call the front. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was Brad Long's job. Brad Long's a heck of a, a grizzled veteran out mm-hmm. there. So in um in twenty twenty twelve when when it was those two, Carolina had a great defense because uh, you know. Lawley would call the front. Ward would call the secondary. Clowney's jumping over tackles, making right. tracks. Um, you know, and then then Deke Adams comes in, and he's horrible. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Our best was by far was 20, 2009 to 13, and what do we really do then? A lot of citrus bowls and an SEC East. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no major bowls. That's a shame, too, because, yeah. like – it just so happened that in 2012, you know, I think Carolina probably could have gone to the Sugar Bowl, but Florida ended up 11 and one under Will Muschamp. I know <laughs> they went and lost to Louisville, so you know that'd be a nice a nice goal for Shane Beamer to, is to get to one of those major. Yeah, get to a New Year Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Saunders says 2013 would have been a better chance at the Natty, but personally, I think 2012 was better. They were. The LSU loss, I'll accept, but that Florida loss when half the team had the flu hurt, even with the hell schedule. Yeah, and see, they would have needed to have beaten Florida to have gotten there, you know, to the mm-hmm. championship game because uh, they beat Georgia and then Georgia beat Florida. And so Carolina had beaten Florida. They'd have still gotten there even with the LSU loss. But that was that was so disappointing. South Carolina actually it was, it was one of the most must champion games ever. <laughs> they won 44 to 11, right? That's a big spread. Mm-hmm. Carolina outgained them 179 to 178 yards. <laughs> Total offense. Ooh, what a game. <laughs> must, champ, must champion era. So that's good uh, right there. Um, so, uh, anyway, Doc Graybeard said 84 games should never be spoken of again, Voldemort. <laughs> Uh, 2000 lost 11 loss to Auburn was rough too. Yeah, that cost the Gamecocks absolutely. Yeah, God, I don't know. That one was rough. 16 to 13. Ugh. That was kind of the the end for Stephen Garcia after that one. But that mm-hmm. was a uh, that was a tough one. It was a tough mm-hmm. one. Zach's breaking hearts over here. Yeah, I was at that game. <clears throat> um, you know, and and uh, Garcia played bad. Spurs clock management was atrocious. And well, and, and then Gus Malzahn gave it to Michael Dyer. Like uh, like uh, forty times. Yeah, I was I was gonna say a thousand, but yeah, might as well. <laughs> Marcus didn't get going in that game either. Marcus Mm-mm. didn't always have the best games against Auburn. Uh, so Nat says thank you, clown, for shutting the door. Uh, Craiger says Nat's a ball buster. I love it absolutely. And she's like, can't let the food spoil. <laughs> Bomber series. Clemson isn't hamstrung by the BOT ever either. That's true. Yep. Completely different setup they have up there. Yeah. Uh, Michael says the reverse for the touchdown was cute, but it worked. Uh, Yeah. You know, I don't mind being creative or, yeah, I actually think that's a strength of Marcus Satterfield. Mm -hmm. He's got some very creative stuff. It's just when do you call it? When, you know, what are you doing? It's, and I keep using the pizza analogy. Uh, My man's got great toppings. They're gourmet. 
you know, but the sauce distribution, cheese distribution and dough volume mm -hmm. leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. I and mean, I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't consider that cute. You know, I, that was more creative for me. Cute is, you know, what happened at Tennessee last year. That's cute. Like what, what do you do? What do you like, do? Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> like when you're looking at it. Yeah. But the reverse, perfectly timed, creative. Yeah. Loved it. And then it worked. They bit all over the, the initial read and <laughs> completely lit. Well, Craig, it's, it's, I think some of the players after the three eleven win years came in entitled. I'm sorry, I stepped on you, Phil. My bad. No, go right ahead. That's all right. That's all right. right. Uh, it, after the three eleven years came in entitled, didn't work as hard. Uh, perhaps yeah. uh, I think some of the coaches did. To be honest, um, well, you know, some of those guys that were left over, they recruited during the eleven win period. Uh, actually, I think helped Will Muschamp win 15 games his first two years. Uh, they weren't – I mean, Muschamp's guys, obviously, especially on offense, there was nobody left um, other than Debo and Hayden Hurst, who was a receiver. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, some of those guys, I think, especially the, the like your Chris Lamonts of the world and, you know, Shaq, uh, Sky Moores of the world and guys like that, uh, Taylor Stallworth that Spurrier left uh, really had a – a big good impact on on Muschamp early, but uh, oh well, <laughs> the bottom fell out. Uh, Bryant goes shoot. It's my fault. I'm the one to put you out there. <laughs> uh, recruiting killed Spur in his final years. I, in my opinion, he quit on the Gamecocks long before he ended up leaving. And, and look, happy, happy, happy. I don't know about quitting. That's a tough word. Uh, I think. I think coaches a lot are creatures of habit and they revert to things, especially when they've had success, you know, um, and, and he, he had it rolling. I mean, you know, they were in the hunt every year, you know, in the top 10 uh, ball just didn't bounce their way. Shoot. Greg McElroy thought in 2014, they were going to go to the playoff and win the SEC finally. And, you know, then the next year it was, it was over. Um, yeah. I think he just reverted to how he's always done things and was just like, well, shoot, I'll just hire whoever and they can just come in here and shoot. I'm a head ball coach. Woo. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's South at South Carolina. You can't do that. I don't think you can do it at Florida now either. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think coaches recruit themselves, uh, anymore. I think you have to have kind of a process and a staff and uh, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's definitely you're right. a different landscape, you know, now than it was. Yeah. And 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 Spurrier's, you know, departure just happened to be in that transitional phase, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, so so we'll so we see what happened there. But uh that was uh I don't know. Doc says I'm still unconvinced about the system, period. By this point, we should have seen more improvement. I agree. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that's concerning, Doc, is is like, are, are we going to take six games every year to look halfway decent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, that's untenable <laughs> completely. Yeah, Zach goes back to that Florida game in 2012. I think we had three fumbles in the first half, and Florida only had like 90 yards. <laughs> they were up by 21. I think they were up 21 to six. That's what was so disappointing. Is it must champ had an epic rant coming off the field? He was like, yeah. We just got to keep playing. He's like, and overcome the adversity on the field. <laughs> yeah, 
He's fiery, man. I did. I love that about him. It was like he was intense. I, I did not. I did not mind the intensity. He had some prescient moments, but obviously, the job, a head coaching job, is just a little too big for him. <laughs> the faces he would make on the sidelines and stuff. Uh, you know, he was a little more demonstrative at Florida. Yeah, because uh, I think you know that there was an epic Muschamp meltdown right before he was hired at Auburn. Where yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Auburn was playing its butt off against Bama. They were in the game uh, and they got a 15 yard penalty. And then Muschamp went almost out to midfield through his headset. I mean, just, I mean, it's on YouTube. You guys go watch it. I mean, to the point they had to restrain him. T Rob had to restrain him. To grab him. Malzahn, <laughs> you know, if Gus on and Will Muschamp fought in a fight, I would probably take Will. 98% of the time. So yeah. <laughs> Alzon's just looking there like, what the hell is going on? And Muschamp's about to just destroy this ref. And, uh, <laughs> and he got another 15-yard penalty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he a field goal and won the game. Like, it went away. And so, press conference, he's like, I'm sure I'll get some questions about sideline demeanor. <laughs> I'm like, man, you got you got Frank Martin and Will Muschamp coaching at the same school of major sports. Oh, man. But, angriest uh, school in the SEC. He, he didn't get as demonstrative at, at Carolina as maybe he did at, at, at Florida. But um, I'll tell you one time I wouldn't mind to see him lose it is that, that, that game against the Gators in 20, uh, 2019 uh, with the, wor- the worst call – that oh yeah, no. Andre Pink and safety against Ole Miss in 03 mm. were the two biggest screw jobs I've ever seen uh, when it comes to an SEC game. We all know about the push off in 2000. We no, won't yeah. talk about that, but uh, <laughs> you know, Andre Pinkins is three yards outside of the end zone, and they call safety. That was before replay, um, and then the uh, the uh, the dumb the call. Uh, you know, Florida's running back. They they miss Florida being offsides to begin with. And then I think right. Jamie appears mm-hmm. sweep, and Florida's receivers literally sitting there and got a ha- fistful of jersey holding Izzy McWamu the whole way down the field the entire oh. way. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! No call, no oh. call. So that's uh, that's crazy. Uh, Zach says the SEC East was also down in 2016 and 17 for Muschamp. Yeah. Georgia was still. Team Georgia played for a national title. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't exactly call the East top to bottom great though that year, would you? No, no, no. I agree. I mean, you had one dominant team. I mean, it's definitely not like it is this year. You know, where you've got you know a seemingly dominant team and then some. You know, pick a couple out of a hat. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting how this year's playing out too, though. You know. Yeah, I think Tennessee. Uh... You know. Kind of surprising people. I mean, not some. I mean, some people obviously picked them at the beginning of the year, but I mean, well, yeah, you go into Baton. You Rouge. don't know anything about that <laughs> at that time. You go to Baton Rouge and win forty to thirteen. I say, I mean, you know, <laughs> which for me, JC, it was like that was that's the one program, and I know you're kind of a, a like mind here that you would like want to be the slowest to make this build yeah. <laughs> because they're the closest to you. They are known to steal talent out of your state. 
and that is a key bellwether is whether or not they are going to take talent out of the state. And you're just like, Ugh, you don't want to see a good Tennessee. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and and that was Carolina's done. Carolina Clips have both have done a good job keeping them mm-hmm. out of South Carolina, uh, really for the past twenty years. And you yeah. don't want, you know, you, the South Carolina hasn't arrived again yet. You you want to have a lot, you know. What you want to do is keep your in-state talent base uh, intact, and then go expand, uh, and not have to worry about backfilling about players you lose from your own state. Now that's yeah. now they're going to lose Mazio Bennett to Tennessee. Uh, as a 2024 kid, though, so it's uh, yeah, if you got some time, and I, you know, JC with skill players, skill position players, you got the portal. I mean, you know, it's going to hurt because you lost him. But yeah, look, we found Juice, found Corey Rucker. Receivers <laughs> yeah. out there that are playing at division, well, FCS schools that want to get into a big time program that are worth the worth taking the shot. Uh, Bradley on uh, Twitter in the iHealth Consulting mailbag asked if Rucker is still part of the team. Yes, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, he is. It says he missed the team photo. I don't know. He was at home. Um, I have not heard anything about him leaving the program. I think he's maybe heading towards a red shirt uh, because of his health, um, which is fine because they're going to need him next year. I mean, he's got about three, he's got three years left, I think, or two. Uh, but if you, you know, I, I think that uh, you can med red him and he can help you into the future. Um, not that they don't need him, didn't need him this year because he's good, but uh, I think that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I don't think. I think a lot of this kind of, and this is the unfortunate part about social media these days. Is I think he went home to Mississippi this past weekend, and he. I think he was shooting a bird in an Instagram story, right? Yeah. Uh, and so people just automatically take that as, uh, I guess. Oh, he's mad at us. No, he's just shooting a bird. To say. He could be mad at his girlfriend. Could be joking <laughs> around with his friends. Uh, one time I, I, I was just joking around when I was younger and probably shouldn't have joking or joked around like this, but I, I, I was just, I saw my friend's mom and was just joking with her and shot her the bird. And, uh, I shouldn't have done that, but I did. So I was joking around, but, uh, doesn't always mean any, uh, you know, what it, what it, th- what you think. Um, so, uh, that's what's that's, that's blah, 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 blah. Craig says, I think Tennessee can win Saturday, but this, uh, will be one of those games where Saban, We'll say not today and beats the hell out of them. If Bryce Young plays, I can't. You know, I mean, look, man. <clears throat> let's be honest here. The Alabama defense is a different animal than any of the other defenses Tennessee's faced. And with this style of play that Tennessee does, if you have a lot of three and outs on offense, you are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, this is not a defense that's going to easily wear down. <laughs> you're not going to be able to – you're going to have to play the best game you've played all year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to put points on the board because that's, that's your game. You know, and, and look, man, I, I haven't been sold on the Tennessee defense this year. I was extremely impressed uh, with what they did against LSU. They they had their offense, the LSU offense, figured out the first drive. Uh, and LSU couldn't go very far and – you know, bad things just kept happening. And, you know, LSU during the day sometimes, Phil, is a different animal than LSU at night. It's 11 a.m. kickoff at, 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 in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they play a lot different sometimes during the day. I'm not saying the outcome would have been different playing that at night, but the score probably would have been closer. Yeah, I, I think LSU gets a little more fired up. So, mm-hmm. Cole says, great show, guys. I thought Muschamp was going to be more successful for us. I guess I'm too optimistic. When I – okay. I was uh, – my highest point of optimism during the Muschamp era was after he got rid of Roper and and – BMAC kind of created this new offense, which I thought, honestly, if this year's South Carolina team was running that offense, Carolina would have a lot more points on the board. Uh, I'm not saying Brian McClendon's a better offensive coordinator than Marcus Satterfield or whatever, but that system is just better for college players. Um, a lot of RPOs, too. Uh, problem with McClendon, he didn't really have a second pitch. <laughs> like, like in the game they blew at Florida – they were up 31-14, you know, the, with the RPO, Jake goes, or the quarterback goes to the line, uh, counts the box, reads whatever, and it's it's not really even an RPO. It's, it's something – or some people have different de- definitions. Um, it's a pre-snap RPO. Uh, and, all, and Grantham starts walking a safety down, crashing him in pre-snap. So the read would be run, that's the right read, but they'd stop it because you wouldn't have a favorable box. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there just wasn't adjustment. Uh, I, I, I always talk about in that game, if you watch the play clock, Phil, because everybody's like, they went full turtle mode. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. they didn't. Watch the play clock. They were snapping the ball like five seconds in, mm-hmm. uh, not running clock. Uh, I think had they lined up in the I formation and run tall sweeps, built <laughs> <laughs> the clock. Florida, because all Florida was doing was running the ball at that point. Florida tried to throw it once, and they tried to get cute and run this stupid halfback pass to Tony. I think get a quick one, and Carolina snuffed it out. It was almost a disaster for Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, there was an awful call in that game where the Florida kid fumbled and Horn picked it up and scored, and they called him dead. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was an awful call. Uh, but I, I honestly, honest to God, I think if Carolina had just lined up and run it, uh, Florida and maybe gotten a couple of first downs here and there, uh, Florida would have run out the clock on itself because all Florida was doing was lining up and mashing the Gamecocks at that point. Uh, but it didn't happen, and they lost. Uh, but I, I, I was, I was very high once, once they promoted McClendon, and we're going to run it wide open, like, like he said, and they did, and they won some games. I mean, they won a forty-eight, forty-four shootout against <laughs> Ole Miss that year. Uh, came back and beat Tennessee. You know, beat Missouri in, in the in the Scarnecchia game where they, you know, Missouri couldn't stop Carolina that day. That's the best offenses that they've had around here in like seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was high on it then, but then at the end of that year, that Florida game, that collapse at Florida, because if they won that one, the narrative changes. Uh, it's Florida's not going to the Peach Bowl. You know, Carolina mm-hmm. probably eight, nine wins again, you know, that kind of thing. They probably get the Gator Bowl instead of the the Belt Bowl, the, the, Virginia, <laughs> the Virginia team, you know. Um, that was just a big loss. That was kind of the beginning uh, of the end. And then you had embarrassment against Virginia, embarrassment against North Carolina and Charlotte. Everybody, nobody wants to go to Charlotte all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and, and then Jake gets hurt and, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fine. I thought, I thought Will Muschamp recruited pretty well. And I, and I'll say this, I could have made a, a pretty big case for him to be gone after 2019, 
But in hindsight, I'm glad he didn't. Mm. What happened? I mean, you know, I I don't think a new coach, you know, keeps everybody intact at Carolina uh, through the pandemic and and all the stuff that happened in the summer of 2020. Yeah, no. Mm. So you went back on it. You know, I'll, I'll sacrifice two and eight. Uh, to have some of the players South Carolina still does today. Uh, because recruiting, you know, in that class too, you had Jaheim Bell, <laughs> you know, you had Jordan Birch, you had Boogie Huntley, you had Mokaba, um, you know, a lot of players, uh, Gilbert Edmond, dare I say, uh, who are playing a lot of football for this team right now. Uh, and so, you know, they're probably not all coming to Carolina uh, if there's a coaching change at the end of 2019. So, in hindsight, things worked out. All right, we got to go. <laughs> so, um, Lady Breeze says, by the way, I saw the Reno comment about the system being hard. I took that as more of a good versus bad thing. If you listen to the conversation as a whole, I in no way, shape, or form think a difficult-to-learn offense is a good thing in college football. Uh, Lady Breeze, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Find me another program that's successful that has a hard-to-learn offense. Find me one that's very difficult, that's successful uh, in the Southeastern Conference at the highest level. All right, we got to go. Thanks to Chris Phillips. I'm going to be on, by the way, in 14 minutes on the Spurs Up show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Wando's back in the house. That's right. Wando, back in the house at noon tomorrow. Wando's world. Michael Flint, former Gamecock receiver, will be breaking things down. Uh, as always, uh, happy birthday again, Jared, and you're welcome for the Ellis Rants. Oh, uh, and it'll be awesome. Uh, but we appreciate all you guys listening and participating each and every day. Uh, don't forget, you can catch this on podcast format, Apple Pods and all that. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have a great Thursday, everybody.